Hello, hello, and welcome to Non-Technical, where I, your host, Alexis Gay, interview influential folks from tech, media, business, and beyond about everything except their resumes. Today on the pod, big pod, very exciting. We have Josh Constein, an early stage investor at SignalFire, though he's done a lot of other super impressive, really interesting things prior to that, which admittedly, I'm not going to ask him that much about. Josh, thank you so much for being here. Hello, it's so fun. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to have you. This is great. I do such like boring professional like talks and podcasts, so this will be a <laughs> welcome relief. I hope it meets and exceeds expectations. You ready to dive in? Yeah, let's do it. This episode of Non-Technical is brought to you by Main Street. Every day when I log on to Twitter, I'm greeted by Nick Abuzade's smiling face besides a promoted tweet about Main Street asking me if I am a seed stage startup. Unfortunately for me, I'm not, but you might be. So founders, here's the deal. You're owed more than $50,000 in tax credits from the government, seriously. And Main Street can get it back for you in 20 minutes. The truth is that the first 30 to 50,000 times I saw ads for Main Street, I thought it sounded too good to be true. But then Nick gave me the rundown. The US government annually sets aside $100 billion for startups. Main Street connects directly into your payroll system to find which of those credits and incentives apply to your business. Then they'll advance you on the cash you're owed in real time at 0% interest. Oh, and 90% of venture-backed startups qualify. It costs nothing to find out how much you're owed, and listeners of Non-Technical can book a free white glove onboarding call today at MainStreet.com slash non-technical. Josh Constein is the former editor-at-large of TechCrunch, where he was ranked the number one most cited tech journalist from 2016 to 2020 and wrote the first coverage of startups like Robinhood, Figma, and Clubhouse. Now he's an investor at early-stage venture firm SignalFire, where he backs feisty founders across consumer and the creator economy. He also hosts hit Clubhouse show Press Club. Josh's mission is to help the world gracefully adapt to the future. Josh, thank you for helping the world gracefully adapt to the future. Yeah, it's pretty remarkable given how ungraceful I am as a human being. (laughs) What makes you ungraceful, do you think? I just have a very, like, loose understanding of my coverage, just where I exist in space. Sure. I always am constantly bumping into things, and my wife kind of, like, walks behind me, just, like, making (laughs) sure, like, shifting me out of the way of things that I'm about to run into. I think... I am similar in the sense that I gesture a lot and I find myself knocking things over with just how wildly I'm gesturing. Yeah, exactly. It's like, I want to be passionate. I want to like live, you know, with the full bounds of my own personal space, which just means like no inanimate or animate object should probably be within my personal space. I totally agree. I'm quite famous amongst my friends for gesturing your drink into you, which is a great quality. (laughs) (laughs) always a hit at parties yeah Yeah. i I feel that i'm the one who's like gesturing so wildly you like slap the drink down right (laughs) out of their hand into the ground happy birthday to the ground (laughs) okay incredible to hit a lonely island reference within the first two minutes of this podcast we love to see it josh i'm excited to talk to you because we i think met on clubhouse does that sound right yeah it does uh it's so funny because there's like all these people who i have as friends like with quotations marks, but that like i always seem really incredibly nice and i feel like when you only know people through their like nice voice like you Mm -hmm. have a really rosy perception of them so like i assume you've like never done anything wrong in your life because you just (laughs) seem really nice on clubhouse and it's great because i have a wonderfully skewed perception of all these internet people perfect that sounds great i love that let's just go on the record with that as fact that's canon now that i've just famously never done anything wrong or said anything mean in my entire life. Yeah, exactly. And if anyone hears otherwise, that's probably not true. That's a vicious rumor. 
<laughs> and so we met on Clubhouse. And I remember when I was starting my talk show on Clubhouse, you kindly gave me a bunch of tips on how to moderate. And that was so cool. And I was like, Josh is so cool and nice. <laughs> <laughs> I just ended up getting a ton of professional speaker training as being like a reporter at TechCrunch right. for 10 years because we had these conferences all the time. And it's so funny because, you know, now you're like, oh, wait, somebody else paid for me to learn how to speak. I was like, wasn't that my parents' job? Right. Well, then you paid it forward. So thank you, TechCrunch, for teaching you, who then sent me a bunch of tips. <laughs> it was really trial by fire. It was you bomb enough times on stage with terrible jokes, just the worst ones. And what I found was that like the worst jokes I tell, the more comfortable guests would be. And so yeah. it's like, honestly, just like a transfer of status from myself to them. <laughs> The talks would go so much better after that, even if I was just like burning down my own personal prestige. Wow. It's funny because in doing stand-up comedy, usually it doesn't make the audience or anyone else on stage feel better when your jokes are worse. Typically, my jokes need to be better or everyone is sad. But I definitely relate to the at-bats making you get better. I just feel like most people in tech are pretty awkward. And so like, if mm -hmm. I can just be the more awkward person, I like attract all the awkward vibes with my Ooh, magnet. And then they yeah, feel like, like an awkward oh, magnet. Right. And then they suddenly feel like super professional and suave and charismatic because they're just like, at least I'm doing better than this guy. <laughs> wow. Thanks for falling on that sword. Even in this interview, I'm wondering if some of your magnetism is going to help me out. I'll keep you posted. I think I'm already exuding all the awkwardness magnet vibes. <laughs> I don't agree. I personally think that you're doing great. I'll be your awkward magnet now for this. That's Aww. my gift to you for the show. The other thing I was going to say is that in a full circle moment, almost a year later, I joined you as a guest on Press Club recently. You were the best. We could always use some comic relief given that <laughs> I like to get deep, a little bit newsy, get the real trends and predictions. Yeah. But like, I also just like am, I think, really bad at making people feel relaxed because mm. I'm a former journalist. I think they always are worried that the gotcha question is around the corner. <laughs> you coming in and just sort of like bringing that big hair, big energy energy. I feel like, like, I feel like I could hear your hair through yeah. the microphone of just yeah. like, you know, like just feel like all teased up and ready to like have a good yep. time with it. And that's to me For like, sure. is, is really important when you're like interviewing tech people about Apple's tax on subscription podcasts and how yes. that's going to affect the future of the advertising yes. industry. It's like, oh man, like I, I exhaust myself just talking about it. Totally. It's all very serious and it's good to take it very seriously. And then it's very fun to just remember that it's all very fun what we're talking about. There's a lot of fun going on. Well, it was a beautiful full circle moment. And I thought you totally crushed it. I was sitting there the whole time going, Josh is really good at this. I'm like, I get why he does this. <laughs> so I was so excited to have you on the pod. Yeah, I'm so excited to be here. Josh, how did you spend your last day off? I went axe throwing. Axe throwing. So I think there needs to be a dad chiller party. I think that okay. needs to be a thing. So I'm becoming okay. a dad in just a few weeks. Yes. And I think you, you get like a bachelor party before you're married, but that doesn't really make any sense. Like a debaucherous time right before you're supposed to like right. make the biggest commitment in your life. You're probably pretty deep into that commitment yeah. already. So <laughs> Hopefully. Like, it just seems just like a, a big conundrum of like what you're even supposed to do. But with a dad chiller party, it's like, okay, you know what you're about to do. You're supposed to be responsible and yes. safe. So it's like really important to go do like the least responsible, least safe thing you can do. Yes. Not necessarily debaucherous, but just right. something that like maybe won't meet your risk profile once you have a kid. Yeah. And so for me and yeah. my friends, that was to like go throw hatchets into like paper dummies of zombies in Oakland. That's amazing. Yeah. Like dumb fun where it's like, oh yeah, I got to go 
throw smacks is. Totally. Just like the kind of thing that like you would never make time for. Like you're not going to hire a babysitter to be like, let's go throw axes with my buddy. Is this like something that my wife would not let fly? She's just like, what? <laughs> yeah, you you have responsibilities now. So right. in the meantime, I really think dad chiller parties should be a thing. Nobody seemed to think it was a thing. But I was like, all my friends who didn't do this, like you missed out. It's like your last chance at having a moment of true unencumbered irresponsibility. So with that, I wanted to learn how I could handle myself in a post-apocalypse. How did you do? I actually like won the whole axe throwing thing. Oh, shit. I was not so good with the battle axes, but the mm-hmm. like strong, thick hatchet was really my vibe. And I thought it was funny because I think there's like this sociological principle at play. Like I studied this when friend groups or like office groups would go bowling, their mm. scores would always sort of rank out based on their hierarchy in the social group or mm. in the office. Basically, there's this, this weird subconscious pressure for everybody else, which is exactly what was happening was like everybody else was like, I have to subtly do worse so Josh feels good about himself because he's about yep. to become a dad. Because it's his bachelor party. Exactly. Are you like, oh, I don't actually want to score higher than my manager because all of a sudden they're going to be like, is he trying to steal power from me? Like, So I don't think I was necessarily the best. I just think I performed the best thanks to my very generous friends who took pity on me. Wow. Well, it sounds like you have some great friends, but I would argue that being able to throw an axe in a post-apocalyptic or even mid-apocalyptic scenario will make you a better dad. I feel like we're already in the mid-apocalyptic scenario. Oh, yeah, we're in it. It is happening now. (laughs) To me, it just sounds like you went and had a nice, normal weekend. You're like, let me just learn how to throw this axe. Like, that might come up. (laughs) I'm looking forward to that, though. Like, one day, if if need be. You're going to be the guy in your neighborhood that can throw the axe. You know what? Here's the thing. If something happens to the point where, like, social order is out the window, you will be king of at least of your own little cul-de-sac or wherever you live. No, I I think I I would be handily dispatched in an apocalypse. (laughs) I'm pretty incompetent about like most everything except for my work disciplines. Okay. I'm going to stand behind my wife who can do anything. You need a balance in a marriage. You need people who are good at some things and other people who are bad at some things. Yeah, I'm the specialist and she's the like just generally incredible person. Perfect. Okay. Hey, honestly, good pick. It sounds like good job. Good job to you. (laughs) Indeed. Something that I learned about you and your wife recently is that you had a hawk as a ring bearer at your wedding. I saw this in a Business Insider article from 2019. It's a great article, by the way. A lot of beautiful photos of your wedding and all kinds of things like that. But I had one question for you, which is, were there other animals taken into consideration as contenders? When you go to get falconry done for your wedding, they have a selection (laughs) of different birds of different sizes. And it kind of depends on the weather, like whether they can have an owl or a falcon or in our case a hawk because it was a little bit windier out. Okay. So I learned way too much about this but it was pretty hilarious because like you wake up the morning of your wedding yeah. and you go and do your like practice run and so yeah. like, you're expecting to be like all fancy and instead you're going to like basically a barn and, oh <laughs> and hanging out with a guy who's wearing giant leather galoshes like rain pants that go from under his feet to his shoulders. Oh my god. He just looks like he's ready to trounce through the mud I'm just like way too fancy for what we're yeah, doing at the time. For sure. And he's like, oh yeah, it's really easy. See, these things, like they don't care about me at all. Like I've been, the, you know, this bird's caretaker for a decade. It hates me. <laughs> The second I don't feed it, these things are little dinosaurs. They don't care. And so he's like, oh my yeah, it's God. really easy. Like the way we're going to get the hawk to swoop up like down the aisle and rest on your arm to deliver the rings to the altar is that we're just going to hand you a dead chicken. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> what? my God. <laughs> but it's like a tiny little chick. And so you're like, you know, you're kind of concealing in your hand because it's not really what all the wedding guests want to see. Did you have that at 
the altar with you? You had the dead chick? He like comes up to the altar and hands you the giant leather gauntlet that the uh -huh. bird lands on. And yeah. like in its hand is the little, oh is, is the little chick. And then it just like swoops up to you and you're like, hope nobody noticed that. And then wow. just as I'm trying to pull the ring off of this bird, he tries to like get away. Oh my and God. I'm just, and so he's just flapping. He's like full wingspan, like right in my face. Oh my just, God. Just like blowing my hair everywhere. And I'm like incredibly frazzled, but somehow managed to like keep an iron grip on him so he couldn't get away with the rings. Because that was actually yeah. a major concern. They said, like, yeah, there's like a, you know, 20% chance he's just going to take the rings, fly to the top of the castle outside where you're getting married. And like, we'll see when he comes back. I'm like, oh, cool, 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 cool. This sounds like a great idea. I don't know why I got into this, but I wanted to have like a Lord of the Rings themed wedding uh, kind of. Yes. And that, that this was my little part of it that I got to have. Take the rings and fly to the top of the castle definitely sounds like a sentence from a fantasy novel and not from a discussion about your 2019 wedding. But I will say that my favorite part of that article was that it said the falconry does not offer insurance on wedding rings. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, of course. <laughs> why yeah, why totally. wouldn't they? I'm glad it, like, it had my wedding ring, which is not as nice as my wife's like engagement sure, ring, sure. which I would not have Never. given to the bird. No. But mm -mm. you know, it, it seemed appropriate because well, secretly, most people don't know this, but we actually made a reality television show out of our wedding. It was what? filmed for what is like effectively the house hunters for wedding venues of Canada, which is like serious? a lot of qualifiers for like what this <laughs> thing was. But yeah, they basically take you around to three different wedding venues and then mm -hmm. you choose which one you want to like have your wedding at and you end yeah. up picking the one that you paid for nine months ago. And the whole thing is just fake and scripted, but oh, it's delightful. And so it was fun. a really hilarious experience. You know, they got the like flamboyant host who you're supposed to think is like this huge celebrity though totally. we've never heard of him just like really gave me a great insight into how hysterically scripted reality tv shows totally. are it's actually pretty fun because i just like was trying to slip in the worst puns everywhere i could oh my and god like the entire production crew just like rolling my eyes being like we can't use that like we, we cannot put that <laughs> did on any television. of the puns make it to air not really they think they like consistently cut them out and replace yes. them with all these scenes of like my wife looking super beautiful and talking really mm -hmm. eloquently and me behind her with this like weird <laughs> scowl because I just didn't know what to do with my face because I wasn't even sure if I was on yeah. camera. It's great. You can go search that out if you really want to like lower your perception of me. That is amazing. You said it's Canadian. Are you Canadian or is your wife Canadian? No, neither. <laughs> they wanted to film something at our wedding venue and our wedding planner was like, oh, these people do, you know, media stuff. They might yeah. be fine for this. And like, and they want to have a falcon at their wedding. So yeah, they were like, actually, the groom has been media trained by TechCrunch. So he should be great on camera. So we really tried to ham it up. Like I cut the cake with a sword that my wife oh got my me. Oh God. It, our like, you know, family phrase and scripted on it. That is and amazing. then I fed her straight off the sword as everybody in the audience is just terrified. Panicking. Me. Like at any moment, I'm just going to like slice my, oh my bride's God. face open with this sword. Oh my but God. I managed to hold it steady. She did a great job with it where there were no significant accidents. Was it a real sword? A sharp sword? No. Not like a sharp sword, but a pointy sword for sure. Oh my God. Wow. <laughs> that's high stakes. But I love that. Kicking the marriage off with a high stakes situation. I think that's great. You need to have like a, a trial by fire. Like our first date 100%. was us going to Barcelona together. So it was just like, <laughs> we got to find out like if we like each other or if we're going to kill each other in like that's two great. days in a hotel room together. It's like, we'll see. And that then we'll just know. We'll accelerate everything. I love that. Yeah. Find out fast. Exactly. Hire fast, fire fast. That's, <laughs> that's my dating motto. <laughs> Josh, have you ever been known as the something person? I was the hair guy 
uh, early in my career, I used to have a relatively like distinct hairstyle where I would essentially okay. take all of my somewhat curly hair, yeah. roll it around my finger, and then just have it drape down one side of my face. Oh, and it used boy. to be like quite long, down yeah. to like my yes. mouth. And I called it the Omni Bang, like one <laughs> bang to rule them all. Because I didn't have bangs, I just had yeah. one bang. Yeah. Uh, and so this ended up having a hashtag about it, and there was a bunch of fan art that people submitted on oh Twitter God. about it. One of me as like an anglerfish with the, the bang oh like God. hanging in front of me, like the lights. A lot of other like much more insulting ones <laughs> as I'm well. I'm sure, I'm sure. Colorful commentary. Randomly, BuzzFeed contacts me and they say, we want to write an article about you and your hair. And I was like, oh my okay, God. cool. This should be like a hilarious listicle just like making fun of my hair, sure, right? With like sure. a bunch of photos, right? Yeah. Turns out they end up doing a two-hour interview about like my unified philosophy no. of life. And it went in such a more serious direction <laughs> than it should have. And it, and it just ended up with this hysterical headline of like, Josh Comstein has the most controversial hair in tech journalism. As oh if that's God. a thing. Yeah, as if there were any other contenders for that. I love the idea of someone sitting down to interview you and you share that and your philosophy. And they're like, great. So you, do you use conditioner or? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they did not want any of this, but they just ended up being like, this is too ridiculous to not print. This guy took this whole thing far too seriously, which is pretty much like a, a, a trope for me across everything is I just take things way too seriously. I love it. Too ridiculous not to print. It's like a modern, all the news that's fit to print. Yeah, exactly. And like just what I wanted to like, if anyone Googles me is to find a photo of me in like a sailor hat with a giant yeah. lock of hair down my face looking like I'm Captain Crunch. I think that is what people want to find when they Google image somebody. I personally, especially as one of their investors. Yeah. <laughs> He's willing to do whatever it takes to be an individual, to stand up for what he believes in. I think there's a great narrative here in your Google image results. I have not done the search myself, but I think it sounds like we would encourage people to take a look. It sounds like there's a lot to find. Oh, I should be contrarian. <laughs> <laughs> oh, whoa. Okay. All right. I'm getting a taste. I'm loving it. I'm accepting it. <laughs> no, please. <laughs> please oh edit that out. <laughs> I, I don't think I'm ever going to be able to edit it out of my psyche. You know, like I think that, that that's there to stay. That's my fondest memory of our show so far. Josh, what is the tiniest hill that you're willing to die on? Nobody should send anybody a message, a wall post that mm -hmm. just says happy birthday. That sure. is just awful. It is just yeah. so, I think it's so disrespectful. I would much rather honestly have somebody not wish me a happy birthday than just send me like HBD or sure. happy birthday. Because totally. it just means that like you felt there was an obligation to like wish Ooh. me a happy birthday. Not that you wanted to take any time at yeah. all to think about our relationship or like yeah. how we spent time together, how we know each other. And so I'm just like constantly offended by that. And when, and I literally am like, so I'm so petty. I like will count yeah like how many real messages of happy oh birthday God. I get per year. I was doing yes. this for a while just to like chart the like decline of Facebook and how mm -hmm. nobody wishes anybody happy birthday anymore because nobody totally. uses Facebook on desktop. But yeah. I took like a stand, like a personal mm -hmm. stand against this. And for years would for 
any one of my reasonably close friends, my 500 closest friends or whatever on Facebook, yeah. I would write them like a full paragraph like oh my God. message about like how they affected my life or an amazing memory that we had together. And I really assumed that like if I did this for long enough, people would reciprocate. Mm-hmm. That did not happen. No. <laughs> and so I just was pouring my life force into like trying to really have these like emotional moments and never caught on. I still can't get past this. And it's so silly and ridiculous because like, of course, these people are just being nice. And like, I'm so thankful for all my wonderful friends, but I'm just like, I would rather you just like tell me the most embarrassing story about me than yes. just say happy birthday. Let me ask some questions here. So if the happy birthday has a lot of exclamation points, what about that? That's something I do sometimes. I'm like, I need to tell this person I really want to celebrate them by having like 19 exclamation points. I think once you get past the like three or four exclamation points, you're Mm -hmm. in your own zone. And like there is a a piece of self-expression in that that you've just like completely gone off the rails. Like all caps, you know, is kind of the same thing. But I still would not qualify that as a substantive happy birthday message. And I just think that like we would all be closer together and we'd be have much deeper relationships with our acquaintances. If I challenge all of your listeners out there, like yes. next time you send somebody a happy birthday message, like send them something heartfelt and meaningful, even if it's like kind of in- exhausting to do a little bit, okay. like it's worth it. That is a great tip. That's my way too earnest thing for your comedy podcast. No, here's the thing. After Facebook, I don't want to say like, oh, after Facebook died, but like after me and everybody that I've ever met or would want to interact with stopped using Facebook, I totally forgot when everybody's birthday was. And I started missing birthdays, which was very tough because people would be sad. And I don't want to make anybody sad. Also, I would commit the number one birthday crime, which is texting somebody about something else before you've texted them about their birthday. Bad. Oh no, so bad. bad. That's that's a heartbreaker. I mean, it's like when you see somebody tweeting before they respond to your text message, they're like, you, you clearly have time <laughs> to type text into a phone. It's just that you'd rather talk to everybody than talk to me. I'm so guilty of that though. I'm so guilty of that because it's a different, it's a different like muscle to me that we're like, it is time to tweet <laughs> versus, oh, let me respond to these texts. Texts have questions in them, Josh. I get texts that are like, what time are we doing this thing? Or when is that happening? Or how are you? How's life? I'm like, oh my God, the emotional energy it's going to take to tell somebody, how am I? It's just so much easier just to yell into public than actually have to like think and respond to something. I couldn't agree more. I fully agree. I'm like, <laughs> it's like, it doesn't matter what's on my to-do list. Sometimes you just have something you have to like scream off. Gotta the scream into the, the void. Internet. Here's the thing though. I downloaded a birthday app that tracks all the birthdays now. And it sends me a notification on the day of my friend's birthdays. Life changer. Game changer. Congratulations on joining Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think we, most of your readers have probably heard of it. Okay. Here's the problem, though. On Facebook, I get notified about birthdays that I don't need to be notified about. So it dilutes the efficacy of the birthday notification. Because if I get a notification about people I went to middle school with turning 35, I'm like, okay, that's fantastic. But I don't have time to write you even a happy birthday with 19 exclamation points. Oh, no, no. That's the most fun people to actually actually send those messages to is to get way too deep about remember that time in fourth grade when my parents were going to take me on vacation and you took care of my Tamagotchi for two weeks. Like, like I actually think that that's way more fun is just like blowing somebody out of the water with like a way too emotional and serious, like heartfelt message that like really they don't deserve because you haven't talked in decades. God, I'm going to have to set aside time on my calendar now to write these birthday messages. Josh, try happy birthday with 19 exclamation points. And okay, if you're feeling extra fancy, cake emoji, ta-da emoji sparkler emoji. It's like, I'm celebrating you with each tap of this emoji. It's like me sending you a hug. This is me buying you a drink. 
that's how I want people to read my birthday text. See, we started to make like basically our own custom emojis. My wife is an amazing sort of illustrator and like painter mm. uh, amongst all the other things she does. But she yes. started to make these hilarious pun ones. So we have ones that are like, it's a little drawing of a leaf and it says, hello, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. She made a great one for Christmas, that little sheep, and it says Fleece Navidad, That's which I really enjoyed. These are great. Do you come <laughs> up with the puns and she animates them, or is it a group effort? No, it's just all her, and then I help take credit. I just, like, scribe okay, my name at the very Okay, because those puns were great. Card, and we use them for Christmas cards. Oh, my God. That's perfect. That's a great operation. Go home and make your own emoji. I recommend it. No matter how terrible they look, they'll be hysterical. Trust me. Oh, I know. We need one that says... I'm a contrarian. <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. I'll definitely have her make <laughs> yeah, that one. Yeah, we need that. And I'm especially excited for her portrait of me because I'm sure the, like, you know, the caricature and which mm -hmm. features actually matter to her when she looks at me will be hilarious. It'll just be yeah. like all beard. Yes, all beard. Or, I mean, I don't know, could bring back the Omnibang. I'm just saying, if you're a true contrarian. <laughs> she views that as like a dark time in our history. <laughs> did you have it when you met? I did. It was only bested by when I had like waxed, twirled mustache tips. Josh Constein. I looked like Waluigi. <laughs> Josh. <laughs> okay, question for you. How high up did it go? Just give it to me straight. Tell me the truth. They were like pretty high up. Okay. They like went up okay. higher than like the bridge of a bridge of my nose. It was like it was up there. I okay. I, I actually looked like a 1930s train villain. <laughs> Wow. What you're saying is that you have a history of being a contrarian. It's not a new, that wasn't new with the Omnibang. Yeah, I think they all sort of came together at the same time when I was just like, how is anyone ever going to recognize me? It actually mm. was a journalism trick because the idea was if people could recognize me even from my tiny little avatar on Twitter mm -hmm. when they saw mm -hmm. me in public, then they'd be like, oh, you're that like TechCrunch guy. And then they'd proceed to like tell me scoops. They'd like tell me things that they probably that's shouldn't great. tell me or like, oh, I actually yes. know this company that's raising money or like whatever. And yeah. it actually worked really well until it that's started amazing. really annoying my, my wife because like we were on the dance floor in Barcelona and some guy like like stopped me and was like, let me tell you about my startup job. Oh my God. I, like, I don't know. You get away from me. Yes. <laughs> no, too close. Too close. Yeah. This guy did that to me at like at Burning Man once. I was like, you're not wearing pants. You cannot pitch your startup to me right I now. I think that's a good rule across the board, right? Yes, if you're not wearing pants, you can't pitch your startup to me. That's something that we should all take to heart. <laughs> Absolutely. No, seriously. Same time <laughs> on the investors. Investors, keep your pants on too. Yeah. Everybody keep your pants on. Wow. I completely agree. There's probably an emoji in there somewhere as well. Josh, what is something non-work related that you're really proud of? I used to throw a lot of concerts in, in college mm. and I was like really proud of just like putting together experiences that made mm. a lot of people happy. Just like seeing yes. a ton of people smile at something that you helped create. It means a lot to me. That's better than like me being happy. It's just like watching a lot of yes. other people happy. Even if it's just everyone being happy because we've like crammed 1200 people into like a 600 person backyard to watch yep. Girl Talk like yep. DJ in 2007. Something as simple as that. But yeah, I, I guess that's a good one. I relate to that so much. Josh, who would play you in a movie about your life? You always want to be like, yeah, Channing Tatum, right? No. <laughs> I, I, sure. I don't think that that would quite well, fly. Well, I feel like you do a lot of dancing. Is that right? I used to do a lot of dancing. I like shattered my ankle in an electric skateboard accident a few oh, years ago. So like, no. I haven't won as many dance contests okay, since, okay. but that used to be more my vibe. But I think like Jake Gyllenhaal might look the most like me Perfect. of like That's popular a great one. actors, which yeah. is like a real just glorious self-compliment, which really is unwarranted. <laughs> 
it's a great pick. And I think that Jake is funny, actually. He's a great dramatic guy. I love how I said Jake, like we're friends. We're not friends. I mean, we could be, Jake, if you're listening, we can be friends. But he is very funny as well as being a very strong dramatic actor. And so I think he would do a great job leaning into kind of the fun and doing fun, creative things and all that. I think he'd be great with the Falcon. I think that Jake Gyllenhaal is a great pick. I just feel like they don't, they don't let people who look like me be actors. So I don't think that is so ridiculous. I think that's going to be a great casting personally. And I think that he'll be interested. And I think that we are going to have to build out the hair and makeup budget a little bit to account for the Omni bang, but I think it'll be worth it. Really. I would just be played by like any actor, but then with just like the back of a squirrel hanging off the front of their (laughs) face. and like Perfect. That'll help us save money. That's all the hair and makeup you need. Mm -hmm. If we need to go low budget, we will use the back half of a squirrel, little spray paint done. I actually have a better, I have an answer. I would play myself because I did play myself in a movie actually. No. Which was what? hysterical. Tell me more. There was this this movie called Alexander IRL, and it's about a kid who invents an app that makes everybody else's phones turn off so they can have the best party ever. Awesome. It's like a hilarious teen movie made by like a former Vine star. But they were like, we need to have this kid pitch a reporter his, you know, his new startup. And they're like, yeah. oh, let's just get like the actual TechCrunch guy to come in. Yes. And I was like, this is great. And I took it all seriously. And, you know, they did like a full day of filming with me in L.A. I couldn't wait to see the movie. And then they like cut me down to like three seconds. And like oh. what I said doesn't make any sense. It was just hilarious because I got to like go to the red carpet premiere of this oh like God, very fun. like B-list movie. But it was super fun experience. And just like seeing myself on camera playing Josh Constantine was hilarious. It was a great experience just <laughs> to, to see. Oh, yeah. No, the, the camera doesn't add 10 pounds on like on TV. It's 20 on the film. <laughs> Wow, that sounds like such a fun experience. Did you do any acting or anything else growing up? No, I didn't do anything growing up. No. But no, just in general. <laughs> just but in no, general. I, like, I never did anything that I'm now supposed to be good at. Like I never did any journalism school, really? never did any like public speaking or mm-hmm. debates or didn't write for the school newspaper, like none of that ever. I tried to bring like a fresh, fresh approach by having none of the fundamentals. Totally. I'm like the happy Gilmore of journalism. <laughs> Wow, that's great. What's the most memorable gift you've ever received or given? So my wife made me this like living wall. She like hand placed all these tiny little pieces of moss to make this beautiful living green moss wall thing. And it like hangs in our bathroom and I love it. And every time I want to touch it and I know I'm not supposed to touch it, it. but I I really want to. I know I always want to. But I think the other one was that a friend made me an animated gif of me, which has like me with my Omnibang, with my like (gasps) David Bowie face paint from Halloween and the tutu because I used to go to these tutu Tuesday dance Mm -hmm. parties and it's just this little 8-bit Nintendo looking sprite just jiggling around dancing and it really like means the world to me because it's so silly and it like actually feels like a piece of art and then the next year they actually got it printed onto a cake for my birthday and so getting to like eat my little tutued Omnibang self as part of my 30th birthday really felt I was like taking my own sacrament and just like really (laughs) better understanding myself and rebirthing myself into like a new era of Josh. A new era of Josh starting the 30s off right. I bet you got a lot of really meaningful happy birthdays that year. Yes. And now I still like use that animated gif everywhere that like isn't professional because it's like, it's, oh, it's, I think it's it, great. It, it doesn't engender any trust, but it definitely makes people <laughs> laugh. Well, there you go. I mean, sometimes that's all you need to really get your foot in the door. Be funny first, get the conversation and then you can be credible. I feel like that's like the whole modern internet is that like, turns out that like being good at things actually isn't what the internet wants. They just want you to be like funny 
and pithy. And so like doing that first and then being whatever like your actual skill base is better than often just like being really good at your thing. Because I think the world of the internet kind of demands both expertise and attention. And like it doesn't mm. matter how expert you are if you can't gain any attention for it. Wow. Josh, that was thought leadership. That was beautiful. But it's not funny. Like, so so nobody will ever hear it. And that's that's the thing is like just being earnest is like rarely the right move. I actually do love to be earnest to the point that I really hate being mean ever. Like it really upsets me, which is an interesting trait in a comedian. If you have like a sunny rainbow heart, then you can just like be yourself and like being earnest means being funny. A sunny rainbow heart. A bit more of like an analytical dissector debater Mm. person like I am. I thought this like I feel like the least authentic thing I do is try to be funny. Wow, very interesting. Oh, much to unpack. That's all quite fascinating to me, actually. What is something that you're really good at that would surprise a lot of people to know about you? Well, apparently axe throwing, but uh, <laughs> in what had to just be like the most embarrassing high school memory, we went on some school trip and there was like a talent show. And mm-hmm. for some reason, I decided that like my talent was bouncing a volleyball on like a policeman's nightstick, which okay. I had like bought at some novelty like antique store in town mm-hmm. on the trip. And I was really proud that I could bounce it on this like stick 20 times. That's a lot of times. And my whole high school watching me and just being so confused. Not that it wasn't skilled, but just like anyone would think that anyone else would want to watch them do that. What was the audience reception? It was just like slack-jawed confusion. (laughs) They thought I was going to like sing or do like a juggling trick or something that looked like it took practice. But, you know, I'm much more of a wing it last minute kind of person. So maybe that's like my my real skill is just Mm -hmm. like, if you ask me to do something, I will think of something last minute if I can't otherwise and just wing it because it's like more fun to me to honestly not prepare for things sometimes mm-hmm. because you just come across like, you know, do you do it more real? Totally. It doesn't work for everybody. I think that has to be a skill set in your arsenal because I think it can also go left if you are not somebody for whom that works well. Josh, if you could pick up your house and everything in it and move it somewhere else, would you? And where would you go? I would just move it like three blocks south to be like right next <laughs> to my best friend's house instead of like three blocks away from really? my best friend's house. I, I truly believe that the number one determinant of happiness in life is just your proximity to the people that you care about most. And I yeah. think it's really weird that like as we get older, the kind of signs of success are to like put more and more space between you and other people yeah. that you love that are outside of your family. And like I loved the like hyper density of college and everyone's doors being open and like yes. lots of people have that like fantasy of having like a cul-de-sac with their their friends mm-hmm. one day and like that to me is like way more important than where you live it's just being close to the people you care about that's fine like if you want to move to Miami that's great but I hope your friends are in Miami because yes. otherwise it's good yes. like it doesn't matter where you are it'll be lonely and like the joy and happiness doesn't come from like having a basement and a backyard it comes from mm. like being around people that you care about so if you fill that backyard with your best friends at a barbecue then that's a great backyard but totally. if you just have it and you're like 3,000 miles away from the people you care about, I think you're actually losing. I couldn't agree with you more. I sincerely would rather be almost anywhere with the people that I love than the most incredible restaurant, destination, place with people that I 
don't like that much. You think of being a kid and like when you grow up, you don't do anything. Like most of your time is just spent like hanging out with friends, like in a basement, in a parking lot, doing nothing. Yes. And it's like some of the most fun and formative experiences. And then we get older and we've got to go do these excursions right. and activities. But if they're not with the people you care about, like it's more fun to just like jump in a pond with your best friends yes. than to like go to, you know, the beaches of Greece. Like Totally. Josh, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back. Okay, are you ready? Yeah, I'm a little nervous. Oh. You're nervous? Why? I feel like I have to say something funny. You the really don't. <laughs> okay, if I told you that this episode of Non-Technical is brought to you by a company called Main Street, what would you think that they did? <laughs> what do I think Main Street would do? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Anytime I hear something with street, I'm thinking like Wall Street or finance Ooh, or something. Mom and pop businesses. The town I live in has a Main Street. <laughs> really? Yeah, it's MainStreet.com if that helps. That helps a lot, yeah. <laughs> it's better than BackAlley.com. Do you want to know what they do? I do, desperately. So Main Street helps venture-backed startups uncover tax credits they've never heard of in 20 minutes. That's incredible. Oh, so I was right with the finance thing. Oh my God, I see their ads on Twitter. How is anyone supposed to know where these tax credits are? A lot of the credits that they uncover are actually kind of obscure and not well-known by most CPAs. So even if you like have a CPA, it's still good to use Main Street. I have a call right after this with our head of BizOps. In all seriousness, if you're about to talk to your BizOps person, you should DM them the link. MainStreet.com. Com/technical. Yes. <laughs> yes. Ooh. I'm going to right now. Can you hear my keyboard? You should. It's I. If I had a startup, I would use them immediately. It seems like a no-brainer. And we're back with Josh Constein, the former editor-at-large of TechCrunch and early-stage investor at SignalFire. Josh, we have reached a very exciting moment in this episode of Non-Technical. We have arrived at the lightning round. Are you ready? Let's do this. Let's do it. Okay. Coffee or tea? Neither. <gasps> a plot twist. What do you drink? <laughs> I, I drink water like a really boring person. I like yeah. never got hooked on coffee. And as a journalist, I've never met another journalist that wasn't yeah. addicted to coffee. And so I was like, you know, I have plenty of vices. This will be like one yeah. I skip. And then like with tea, I'm just like, this is just hot water that I can't yeah, drink as fast as water. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So first of all, hydration, it's a hydrate or die world. So I am a big fan of hydration. So kudos to you on that. And I can't believe that you don't drink coffee. My mind is blown, but I also commend you. And I worry sometimes for myself that coffee is becoming too big of a thing in my life. I like care about it a lot, a lot. Right. It's like when you realize you're like debasing your experiences to wonder like, are we going to have time to stop for coffee or you're yes. like willing to be really late for things because you want to go pick up coffee first. That's when I think you're like, you should be looking at it as an addiction. Okay, great. So food for thought for me, which I will definitely be <laughs> spending some time exploring later today. Alexis, this is an intervention. Oh my God. I always <laughs> knew it was going to happen on the pod. Josh, iOS or Android? iOS. As somebody who spent 10 years as a tech blogger, I literally cannot use Android. Every time I try, it's like just totally befuddling. I'm amazed by the people who know how to do it. Me too. Do you have a favorite board game? Yeah, I really like this game called King Domino. Ooh. It's relatively unknown, but it's really like visual. You try to like make the biggest plot of like different types of land. It seems very silly, but it's like something really fun that you can play in a few minutes. And it's like, it doesn't take a lot of like mental processing. Mm -hmm. And all the games that are like Rummy Cube and Settlers of Catan, all these things that like require really deep like mental processing. I'm kind of like, this isn't what I want to do with my like relaxing yeah, time. Yeah, that sounds really fun. I've never played it. I'm gonna have to check that one out. 
Do you have a pump up song? I do. I think it's probably Dancing in the Dark by Bruce Springsteen, just because it was like yep. my parents used to play for me and I'd like dance around the living room mm-hmm. in my pajamas. And mm-hmm. I think they, and there's a lot of really great covers of it, like by Hot Chip and some other mm-hmm. good bands. Oh, and love so that, Hot Chip. That's a fun one. But there's another song called 1976 by RJD2. Oh my God, I love that song. Yeah, if it sounds like the start to like a boxing match in 70s Cuba. And yes. it's just amazing. It's like every time I like want to throw hooks and jabs whenever I hear this song. RJD2 in general has some awesome songs. That's a great one. I actually booked a concert with him in college. And really? He like disabused me of the idea that like rock stars are rock stars because he shows up and like he sold out this concert. I was like an enormous fan and he shows up and I was like, cool, where's your band? You're like, you know, the other d- DJ you're touring with, like girlfriend or something. And he's just like, no. I was like, what? He's like, yeah, it's just me. I was like, okay, cool. Like, well, what do you want to do? Like, the show's like two hours away. He's like, I'm just going to sit here in the dressing room. I was like, you don't don't want to do anything? He's like, no. I was like, you're the cutest, quietest, shyest person. (laughs) But like, I I do not want to be a rock star anymore if it means just like sitting by myself in strange, like, you know, conference rooms in like at colleges by myself. Just like didn't actually seem nearly as fun as I thought it would be. It didn't sell you on that rock star lifestyle. Not like tech journalism, baby. Here we go. (laughs) What would you title your memoir? Probably writing wrongs. Like R-I-T. Oh, it's a pun. And we're closing on a pun, Josh. You know it. Yeah, as somebody who, like I said, had no journalism background or experience before I started writing and like kind of wanted to be the voice of the user. I wanted Mm -hmm. to be like Tron, you know, fight for the user. That was always my goal. So trying to like write to write wrongs and also just like accepting that it was more important for me to get the information out there than to not be full of typos Mm -hmm. or like really Mm -hmm. make any sense. And so I was just very, very, very willing to embrace my own imperfection. And I think, honestly, that's like one of the coolest parts of the internet is just that like one of the easiest ways to learn in the world is just to be wrong in public on the internet because somebody mm-hmm. will swoop in mm-hmm. to correct you. And yes. it's like, that's honestly easier than doing the research is just to like say something wrong and then get corrected. There you go. Wow. I would honestly, I would buy and read writing wrongs immediately. So please write that. We need it. My pleasure. I will get right on it after the 150,000 other things they have to do. Thank you. That's all I ask. Josh, this has been such an absolute treat. Where can people find more about you on the internet? Yeah, if you want to check out what I, I do on the internet, I have uh, a show on Clubhouse called Press Club. It's also a podcast, so you can just search for Press Club like wherever you like to listen to audio things. I've done a bunch of really interesting talks with the CEOs of Facebook, Shopify, Spotify, Patreon, WordPress, Slack, Substack, a bunch of cool companies. And I have a, a newsletter, constein.substack.com. And if you're building a cool startup that's really special, uh, pitches at SignalFire. would love to hear about it. Probably just search for that BuzzFeed article about my hair. That's really the most important <laughs> part of my, my internet presence. Wow. And you can find me at Gay Alexis Gay on Twitter and Instagram or at non-technicalpod on Twitter. Josh, thank you again so much for the time. This was a real treat. Thank you for this real moment of self-reflection. I learned a lot about myself and I'm going to go try to improve. <laughs> Perfect. That's all I ask. That's all I ask. Have a great day, Josh. Farewell. Bye. Bye. 